Spirit. Your Holy Spirit that's here in this place. We just thank you, Father, that every need we have, you take care of. Whether it be physical, whether it's something we need to know, wisdom, whether it's an emotional thing that we're facing. Father, I thank you that you are our peace. You are our comfort. We thank you for that. Today, this morning, as we look to your word, we glean wisdom from your spirit. The spirit of God is the spirit of wisdom. And we thank you for the wisdom, the understanding, and the knowledge he gives us. We give you glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Glory to God. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. Good to see you here this morning. Hope you all had a nice time with family, relatives last Sunday. Things went well. Sometimes they don't always go well. I pray that all yours went well. (laughs) We're going to be over in John chapter 4, verse 46 here today. How many of you know somebody who always wants to go higher? Wherever they are, they're not content. They got to climb higher. They got to be higher. If you, you, if you were a little boy, when you were little, how many of you, you climbed a high tree, then you wanted to climb a higher tree? Then you wanted to climb a higher tree. If you hiked up on a high rock, then you wanted to go on another high rock. You ever see those pictures they have out there on the internet? You know, if you, these, these crazy pictures of, of uh, people in these insanely high places, standing on the very edge of a rock, looking out over and there's nothing there but the river that's all the way down there. In the, in, in, how many people have ever wanted to be there at that place? Look at that and say, yes, I, <laughs> I'm ready to go. Have you ever seen that uh, swing that gets uh, advertised? Sometimes they put it up on Facebook. You know, you're up, you're, you're up way up on top of a mountain. Anybody ever seen the swing? Way up on top of a mountain. You get on the swing and they swing you out and you go out over the, uh, the ravine that's there. The, and you can barely see the river that's down there at the bottom. I mean, it's, it's high. And, of course, they do the picture. They do the video with the two girls. Have you seen the two girls? Yeah, you've seen the two girls. Yeah, I mean, they're screaming the whole way. Why in the world did they get on? They scream the entire way. But people, they just they want to go higher. They want to do something higher. I saw this the other, the other day. Um, I showed it to my family because I was just amazed at this, that a guy made the highest jump out of an airplane ever attempted without a parachute. No parachute. None. We're talking thousands of feet. He had four or five buddies with him. They had parachutes. He did not. I'm thinking, all right, he's going to go down their little ways and they're going to grab hold of him and he's going to come down with their parachute. That didn't happen. They got their parachutes and they just, they went on up. Did anybody see that one? No, Victor, all right. No parachute at all. This guy never had a parachute, never used a parachute, came all the way down from the plane and landed on a big tarp that was set up to catch him. <laughs> that's, uh, that's a little crazy for me. I'm not, I am not desiring to go up that high into. I mean, I'll, I'll go with the parachute. How many will do it with the parachute? Man, <laughs> we don't have risk takers in here, huh? I'll do it with the parachute, but no parachute. 
No parachute at all. That amazed me. But some people just, no matter how high they go, they want to go higher. They climb this mountain, they want to go up and, and do this one. Eventually, they want to climb Mount Everest. They want to go higher. And then there's some people who are just content to be on the ground. I don't want to go, I don't even want to go to the second floor. Just <laughs> buy a ranch home. We have different personalities and different folks that are out there. And, you know, when the people who want to stay on the ground floor look at the people that are up in the air jumping out of airplanes without parachutes and doing bungee cords and things like that, we look at them and think, what in the world is wrong with them? What's, what's going on? What is happening with this? Well, in the realm of the Spirit, in the things of, of, of Christ and the things of faith, you can have the same attitude. You can have an attitude that says, I am here at this level and I am content to stay here at this level. Or you can have an attitude that says, I want to go higher. I want to soar. I want to go higher. I want to do more. What's your attitude for that kind of, for that kind of thing? Are you content with the level of faith that you're at? Or do you want to go higher? Last week, or about two weeks ago actually, it was, we were uh, in this series and we were looking at Mark chapter 9 and we saw that there was a, uh, nine disciples that were left down the mountain and this man brought his son to them and he said, my son, he has epilepsy and, he would, uh, this, uh, and they found out it was the spirit and the spirit came on him and the spirit would send him into convulsions and it would sometimes even throw him into the fire or throw him into the water with the purpose of killing him. And he said, I brought him to your disciples, but they could not cast it out. They could not help him. So can you do anything? If you can do anything. And so we looked at that statement even in the statement that Jesus made back to, back to him. But we see that Jesus took that, that boy and dealt with the demon spirit and cast the demon spirit out. And so later on, the disciples came up to Jesus and they said, why could we not cast out the demon spirit? Now, this is a group of people that Jesus had already given them authority to, to do such things. They had already gone out and they had cast out demon spirits out of others. And they came on back to Jesus and said, wow, even the demons are subject to your name. And they were, they were amazed at this. And they said, why could we not cast out? That they were obviously trying to cast out. They weren't just trying to heal them. They were trying to cast out the demon that was there. And we couldn't do it. Why could we not do it? They fully expected to do it. They had gone after it like they had done everything else, fully expecting to, to, to get that done. But it wasn't happening. Why could we not cast it out? And Jesus answered the question. We had looked at two different Gospels to get the full answer. But he said, because of your unbelief. That was the reason they couldn't cast it out. But they had done this before. But he said, it's because of your unbelief. And in the end, he told him, he talked about prayer and fasting. And he said, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. And people came up with the wrong doctrine that there are prayer and fasting demons. That some people must pray and fast in order to have those demons come out. Except for the fact that Jesus was not praying and fasting. And even made a point of it to say to, his, to, to the people, he wasn't praying and fasting. He said when the bridegroom goes, then they'll pray and fast. But right now, no praying and fasting. So, if he didn't cast it out because he was praying and fasting, what went out? It was, the, it was the doubt. There is a doubt that lingers in us. We cannot even often detect. We, don't, we can't even, even tell us there. Now, let me ha I want you all to think about some food for a little bit. 
How many of you have a spice that you despise? Anybody have a spice that you just, I mean, you, this, spice, this spice comes into play? It's, see you later. We are not eating that. I have several. Uh, bay leaves. I do not in any way like bay leaves. If I see a meal and a bay leaf is being pulled out, we have a problem. What, I don't even know what these things are called. I've been so long since I have been by them. But those ones you put in the ham, they're black and you stick them in. Is it? What are they called? Cloves. Cloves. Whoever came up with that for a ham? I do not understand. I don't like them. If you cook a ham with cloves, I will. It will, it will go away. Yeah, there we go. Got an amen on now. <laughs> I just don't like them. My, but my biggest one, my, and I, I am sorry if you like this. I know that there are people here who like this spice, and I may even offend you. Sorry, right, get over it. <laughs> I may even offend you with this, but curry. Oh, I cannot take curry. I saw some of you, it's a, a staple for you. It's, it, I, it is not for me. I don't like curry. I just don't. If it's in the dish, I don't care what the dish is. It's not being eaten by me. That's it. Now, there's other ones, you know, that you, you kind of like. You, I mean, a little bit, it's okay. Uh, how many are here with the cover dinner when Keith tried to kill us all? Was anybody here for that? Uh, you weren't here for that. Keith made some chicken, and he put some spice on it. And I'll tell you what, I nearly died. I mean, it was good. But they didn't tell me you weren't supposed to eat the skin. And I came in late. No, I don't even always get to eat in the cover just thing, but I was eating that one. And so, you know, I have my fingers on the skin. I'm eating the skin of the chicken, which has all, I think, what was it, jerk? Jerk spice? All right, jerk spice, that helps you out. And I ate the skin, and I ate, my mouth is on, I am on fire. But I'll still eat that. That's not a despised spice. That's just intense. We're talking about ones that you despise. If that's there, oh, you, you can tell. I can tell that it's in what is in this dish. How many of you, you got one of those really bad spices, and you can tell if it's in a dish, and it ruins the entire dish for you? There's that doubt that can be part of our life, and it ruins the entire thing but we can't even tell that it's there. Because the disciples asked Jesus, why could we not cast it out? And Jesus said, because of your unbelief, which meant they didn't even know it was there. So we left off, how can we combat this? How do we take care of this? And so we looked at another, I pulled up another story here for you. And that's uh, John chapter 4, verse 46. And I always like to look back and see when was the last time we covered this. And apparently we covered this about two years ago. This is a phenomenal story. I told you before, I would love to cover the miracles of Jesus almost once every year. Just go through them all and cover each one once every year. Because they, so they are so good. I forget the number on this. I think the number is something like 19. Either 19 healing miracles or 19 total overall miracles that Jesus did. But... Aren't we told in the Gospels that if all the things that he did were written down, you couldn't contain it in all the books that are out there? So why do we have these 19? They're there to teach us something. And we need to learn everything we can from it. Every time I go back through and I learn these, read these things again, I learn more. 
So Jesus came again to Canaan of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Now, we read over that. You can read over a lot of the details that happened. So this is what I did. I went and I plotted where he was from, and I plotted where he went to, and I found out the distance is about 25 miles. How long does it take you in your car to cover 25 miles? Depends on the roads, but anywhere from 30 minutes, 45 minutes, you should be able to get there, right? We don't really think anything about going 25 miles to get to a place. But this guy's walking. How many of you would think twice before going to a place that is 25 miles away if you are walking? Now, I'll give you an idea of what this is like. We are here. How many know where Willow Grove is? How many know where the interchange is for the Willow Grove Turnpike? The Willow Grove Turnpike interchange is about five miles away. So, by comparison, if you were to walk out the door here, walk down to the Willow Grove interchange, walk back, walk down to the Willow Grove interchange, and then walk back, and then walk down to the Willow Grove interchange again, that's 25 miles. Now, you're covering it in your Nikes or whatever other shoes that you got. I don't have Nikes. I have You've never even heard of my shoe most. I have hokas. Anybody ever heard of hokas? How many have never heard of a hoka? Yeah, I mean, most people don't. Absolutely phenomenal running shoe. And um, that, that's what I wear. They look a little funny. They're a little different design, but doggone, they work. And that's what I mostly care about. So I, I have those. But whatever shoes that you got, you're not going to wear down, walk all the way down there in your Sunday shoes, are you? Now you're going to get your sneakers, you can put them on, walk on down. How many would just, at a drop of a hat, say, yeah, let's make that journey. 25 miles, one way. You still have to come back. 50 miles. 50 miles you're going to cover. Now, how many are like me? You like Ocean City, New Jersey. Anybody here like Ocean City? Not Ocean City, Maryland. Ocean City, New Jersey. How many like Ocean City, New Jersey? How many have ever been to Ocean City, New Jersey? How many know the drive to Ocean City, New Jersey? Ocean City, New Jersey from here is 100 miles. What we're talking about for him going there and coming back is for you to walk halfway between here and Ocean City, New Jersey. That's the walk you're going to commit to. How many of you are ready right now, right after we get done church, to commit to that walk? And let's go. We wouldn't do it. We're walking. In a car is one thing, but he's walking. This guy walked 25 miles to get to Jesus because his son was sick. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea of Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. How many of you sitting here today would be already at the point of death yourself if you just had walked 25 miles? (laughs) But he's coming there on the behalf of his son. And again, they don't have Nikes, they have sandals. You're walking 25 miles in sandals. I would not want to do that. Then Jesus said to him, I would be happy to come and heal your son. Look at the long distance that you came, and I'm so glad that you came. Is that not in your Bible? Oh. Let me read what's up on the screen. Then Jesus said to him, Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Now, now picture this. Picture a minister comes to town 
and a person comes into the meeting and he says, I have just walked 25 miles to come here to this meeting and I need you to minister to my son. How many of you would expect a response like that? We wouldn't expect that. We'd be somebody saying, wow, that's so neat that you would do this. Now, he's also asking Jesus to make a 25-mile trek himself. Jesus had just made a pretty long trek. Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. This thing is urgent. He knows his child does not have much time. Now, put yourself in this guy's position. When you ever you read the Bible stories in, that are here, always try and do this. Put yourself in the position of the people in the story. Imagine that your son is on the verge of death. You don't know how long he'll, he has. He might have a day. He might have two days. He might have three days. You don't know, but he's on the verge of death. And you leave the house for a two-day journey to go get Jesus. Would that be hard for you? Wouldn't you want to stay there for the, if, this are, if this is his last days? Wouldn't you want that to be, wouldn't you want to stay? He made this trek. How many of you know that's a hard thing to do? This was not easy. It was difficult. But he made the, the trip, came on over to Jesus. He had faith in Jesus. Sir, come down before my child dies. And he said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. We'll get into more of that in just a, just a minute here because that's an amazing part just by itself. This is nothing new to you. I gave this the last time we went over this, this passage, but it's important for us to remember. The faith, our faith foundations. There are some things that it, several things that it can be based on. One is sight. I believe in what I see. I believe in what I see. How many of you remember when the people believed the earth was flat? You know why they believe that? Because it's what they saw. If you go out to the Jersey Shore, go out to Ocean City, New Jersey, best place on earth, sit there in Ocean City, New Jersey, and look out over the ocean, what do you see? It's flat, isn't it? It just goes on for a while and then it drops off. So if you don't have the advantage that we have, we've been up and we can see that it's round, you could see why people would think it's flat. They had a lot of faith in that. They had so much faith that Christopher Columbus had a hard time getting a crew of people to get on the boat because he wanted to go over there because he said, it's not flat, it's round. (laughs) Yeah, right. Because they believed in what they saw. Sight has a whole lot to do with things. People used to believe that the, that the sun revolved around the earth. Why did they do that? Because what you saw was the sun moving. So they fig- figured that the sun revolved around the earth. We found out that's not so, but that's, they went on what they saw. So you can see that even though you see it, it's not necessarily something that is worthwhile putting faith in. That's the first thing. Might. These are stuff that you have. I know I can do this. I know I can do this. How many of you right now can pick up a 25-pound box? 25-pound box. All right. So if you see a box and it's 25 pounds, you just go over there and pick it up, right? What if the box is labeled as 50 pounds? How many of you have confidence that you are able to pick up a 50-pound box? Not, not as much. 
Have you ever tried to pick up something that was bigger than you thought you could get? I mean, you're by yourself, right? What are you going to do? I'm by myself. I don't think I can quite pick that up, but I'm sure going to give it a shot. Now, when we were doing the uh, egg hunt, we had to do some some things. And uh, one of the things we had to do was I had to get the generator from my house down here. No one wants to get up at the hour I get up in the morning on Sunday. And no one was home for the evening. I was by myself. No one else. So I needed to get the generator. Let me know what a generator is. I don't know what a generator weighs. I do not know. To this day, I do not know what a generator weighs. But I know for certain now that it is beyond my ability. <laughs> so I got that generator. And you know what you do the first time? You, 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 you just give it a shot. Let's give it a shot. So I got that generator. I got up into the truck. Actually, I started on the, on the ground. And I tried to... <clears throat> I did. I tried... <clears throat> and um, I got it up off the ground. But not high enough in to get it into the truck. Didn't quite get it into the truck. <laughs> All right, that's not going to work. So my other idea, second idea was I grabbed the handles of the thing and I had it down there and I'll try and pick it up from the truck and just kind of lift it in this way. That didn't work either. So then I said, well, let's try and build a ramp. There's a reason why people buy ramps for trucks. There's a really good reason because the ones you make are never as good. In fact, they're a little bit dangerous. So I got a ramp. I got two pieces of wood and laid it on. I know all the problems that can come out with putting two pieces of wood down and trying to bring the thing up. I know all those problems that can go there. But what am I going to do? I'm by myself. So I'm up in the truck. I have the two pieces of wood. I've got the tires of the generator on that. And I begin to pull it up. And the wood which was aligned perfectly for the, the width of the wheels, as I am pulling it up, begin to push outward. So I'm thinking, maybe I can get it up far enough that I can just lift it from there. That didn't happen. Didn't happen. So it was once again down on the ground, and I needed to get it up into the truck. How many of y'all know it made it here? So we did obviously... We, we did obviously get it. So I had an idea. I said, I'll, I'll text my neighbor. And while I'm t- I, sent, so I sent him a text, I said, can you come over and help me lift the generator up into the truck? No word from the neighbor. Nothing. So I came up with another way to try and get that truck. I did, instead of two ramps, I did one. One board, and I'm just going to drag that generator without the wheels right up that one board. That didn't work either. But then I came up with a fifth way because he still hasn't come over. So I thought if I have that on the the wood and I get down on the ground level and pick that piece of wood up and then just push the generator into the truck, I can see that working. How many can see that working? (laughs) Well, unfortunately, I could see it, but it didn't actually happen. So it's still down on the ground. So I said, all right, that's it. And so I went over to my neighbor's house and I knocked on the door. You see, the Phillies were playing. How many remember that historic game the Phillies played where they scored 12 runs in the first inning? Anybody listening to the game? 12 runs, first inning. They won 17 to, I don't know what the other people, five, three. And Corey. 
I was listening to that on the way home. I knew he was a uh, baseball fan. He's a fan of every sport. I knew he was watching the game. I knew it. I had the game on. I was listening to it. The inning came to an end. I said, we got a commercial break. He will certainly come over for, to help me during the commercial break. So I went over and I knocked on his door. I said, can you come help me? He says, oh, yeah, sure. Let me get my shoes on. I said, I sent you a text. He says, oh, well, if you send it to here, we don't have that number anymore. <laughs> I said, good thing I came over. He came over. He got one side. I got one side. Right on in there. No problem. We had it in there in five seconds. No problem at all. Got it all, all done. But, you know, but sometimes we try and take on something that's bigger than we can do. How many of you would like it if you can increase your capacity? That a 25-pound box is your max now. Maybe a fi- get up to a 50-pound box. Get up to a 75-pound box. Get up to even, even bigger than that. How many of you would like that kind of thing going on? But you see, I know what I have. I know what my might is avail- abil- my ability is. I know what strength I have. And so if I am working within the ability which I have, I have faith in my ability to get it done. Not necessarily an outside force coming in to help me. That's another way that faith is built. I know I can get that done. Here's the third one. That's what, the word. What God says is mine. What God says he'll do. What God has said in his word. That's the way that faith is, is built. We have faith to, to believe that in heaven. I've used it. I love this example. It was not mine. I heard it before. How many of you believe in heaven? How many of you believe in, I believe in heaven. How many believe you are going to heaven? All right. We believe in a heaven. We believe we are going to heaven. How many of you know where heaven is? Oh, nobody knows where it is? How many have seen pictures of heaven? Anybody seen pictures? Somebody went to, not, not, not people dreaming up what heaven, I mean actual pictures of the place. People went there with their iPhone, with their Android, took a picture and brought it back. Anybody seen pictures of heaven, the actual place? No, we have not seen pictures of this place. We do not know where this place is, but you know you're going. Doesn't that sound a little funny? Can you imagine if you were, you were telling your relatives, we're going on vacation, where are you going? We're going to such and such a place. Have you ever been there? No. Have you ever seen it? No. Do you know where it is? No. Do you know anybody who's been there? No. But that's where we're going. How many of you, they would look at you a little bit funny? And yet, you have faith to believe you're going to heaven. That heaven is real and that you're going there. Why? It's based on what the Word of God said. You see, that's the level of faith you have to get into with everything. You let the Word of God build up your faith. Not based on what you see. Not based on what you feel. Based on what God's Word said. And that's where we can get to. That's where this guy got to. You're, when you believe, what you believe is made up of what you hear, read, see, and can imagine. Those are the things that it comes from. What I read, the things I hear, the things I see, and the things that I can imagine. Those are the things that my belief is made up of. These combine, to, these combine with your foundation to form the basis of all your future actions. This man, this man was moved by what he heard. He heard about Jesus. He heard that Jesus was in the area. 
And he was moved to make this journey based on that. He may have seen some things. He may have, uh, maybe there's some things that he saw about people who were healed from very bad situations. People that were healed and they were ministered to. So he's probably moved by what he heard, we know. Probably moved by what he saw. He probably is even moved by what he felt. How many of you can feel what this, husband, this uh, father is feeling? His son is about to ready to die. You can feel that. You know what that kind of sadness would be like. There's a desperation with, with him. Jesus has little respect for faith based on sight. Very little respect for it. He's not looking for faith based on feeling. He's looking on for faith based on the Word of God. See, there's a higher place that you can go. The Spirit of God will lead you. Look at verse 48 again. Unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, Sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. Now, he came to Jesus with a purpose of Jesus coming back. He has faith that if Jesus comes back with me, my son will be healed. That's where his faith is at. That's where his expectation is. That's what he has built up from all the things he has heard, all the things he has seen as far as ministry. If you will come back with me, then my son will be healed. And Jesus says, go your way, your son lives. Six words. Six words, Jesus says. Go your way, your son lives. Again, put yourself in in this guy's position. Your son, you left him deathly ill. Your faith is that Jesus will make the trip and come back with you to lay hands on your son and heal him. And Jesus does not have the greatest response. And then he says to you, go your way, your son lives. Now you have a choice at that point. You can believe the word that Jesus spoke or you can believe what you came there believing. That Jesus needed to make the trip with you. Jesus needed to come back and Jesus needed to lay hands on your son. You can stay with with that belief or you can act on what Jesus said. Jesus said, go your way. Your son lives. We don't need to do this, but I think if you looked it up in the Greek, it's even less than six words. Doesn't say much to him at all. Go your way. Your son lives. So... The man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. How hard would this be for you to have done? You know your son is deathly ill. If Jesus doesn't come back, there is no real hope of this changing. And all Jesus says is, go your way, your son lives. So you have to make the trek back. You don't have a cell phone. You can't text home. Is he better? You have to make the trip all the way home. If you, or if you get all the way home and the sun is not better, now you've got two less days to take care of this situation if he's still alive. How many of you could make that trip? How many of you at that point could say, oh, I'll believe that and just make the trip and go on home? Go your way, your son lives. He doesn't pray any fancy prayer. He doesn't command anything to go. He doesn't speak anything out that would cause change in your situation. All he says is, go your way, your son lives. That's it. 
That's all he had to go on. And what does he do? He goes his way. He believed. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him and he went his way. That is, that is huge. This man changed his entire belief structure in an instant. Because Jesus said, what you're believing for is not going to happen. But here is what is going to happen. If you leave now, go your way, your son lives. Now look at the other things that Jesus said. Take up your bed, rise, take up your bed and walk. What did the man do? Rose, took up his bed and walked. What would happen if he didn't rise, take up his bed and walk? We wouldn't know anything about it. He wouldn't be in the Bible. I bet you there are some people that he said, rise, take up your bed and walk, and didn't do it. There's two of them in the Word of God that we know of that he said, rise, take up your bed and walk, and they did it. We get to heaven, we're going to find out there were a couple other ones. I don't know. I can't know that for sure. But it would seem that somewhere along their lines, he would have found somebody who would disbelieve and not quite do it. Go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him. And he went his way. Doesn't mention anything about him begging, asking again, pleading with Jesus. He just took what Jesus said and he went. Folks, this is where we're having a whole lot of problems when we are trying to change conditions that have been going on in our lives for a long time. We're trying to change conditions, weight conditions. We're trying to change blood pressure conditions. We're trying to change headache conditions. We're trying to change chronic pain conditions. We're trying to change conditions that have been with us for a long time. And we're not seeing a change. Or as was the story we looked at when we first started this series, when Jesus uh, told the story, he made up the story. He told the story about the man who had the demon spirit. And when the demon spirit was out, it cast out of him. The demon spirit went out there to find rest, couldn't find any, came on back to the man and found the place clean, I'm sorry, swept, Empty, swept, and put in order. Three things. Empty, swept, and put in order. And he left. He didn't go back in because there was enough change done that kept him from getting back into the place. But we find out from the rest of the story there was not sufficient change to keep him out because he went away and got seven spirits more evil than himself. More evil than himself. And all seven plus him came and inhabited that place and it says in the word that the last state of that man was worse than the first. Remember when Jesus had the, the man, he said, take up your bed and walk. And the man came back and he found Jesus. And he said to him, quit sinning, basically. Or a worse thing will happen to you. Make sufficient changes so that this does not come back, back upon you. He doesn't say that to everybody, but he said it to him. It had something to do with him. There was some kind of a sin that he knew about that kept pulling him into this, this uh, place, I guess. But Jesus was, was telling him, quit this or a worse condition will happen. Another place where that is, that is taught. See, we've, we've had prayer for the thing. We've believed. We've asked God. We've done sort of, but it's not changed. Or if it does change, it changes for a little while. It doesn't stay that way. We've got to get ourselves to a place that is higher than we've been to so far. And you can get yourself there. This man, this man took himself from the place where he was to a higher place. And how long? How long did it take him? Seconds. Seconds. 
Not, not a lifetime, not years. He came to him in a certain place and he was willing to let go of those beliefs that he had and embrace the new ones, embrace the word that Jesus spoke to him, put faith in it and do it. Let's go on with this and, and see the rest of it. I did put this in your outline for you. When this man had acted on what? On that. Sorry. That when this man had acted on that, brought him to Jesus, was not us as telling as what got him to leave Jesus. What we're saying here is this. What brought the man to Jesus, the faith that brought him to Jesus, was not as great as the faith that took him away from Jesus. It's a better way for me to say it. The faith that brought him to Jesus, if you'll come and lay hands on my some making the 25-mile trip, that faith was not as great at the, as the faith that took him from Jesus. Because he had to leave going from Jesus the whole while. You know the enemy. He's going to be putting thoughts. Your son's dying. Why did you leave Jesus? Go back and get him. Your son's dying. Hurry up. He's still right there. You can go get him. Go get, get him to come back. But he didn't listen to that. He hung on to the words of Jesus. Jesus said, Jesus said, Go your way. Your son lives. That's what Jesus said. I am going to have faith in the words of Jesus. And God wants to speak to you about your situation. He wants to tell you how your chronic condition can be stopped like that. And never come back. Never come back. That's what he wants you to know. Now, right expectations are formed from right doctrines. We sometimes have wrong expectations. We got wrong doctrines we let inside. If you've got a bad doctrine in you, if you've got a bad belief in you, how long does it take for you to get rid of it? For this man, it wasn't long at all. Now, I'll put this in there for a couple of blanks in your outline. If you are casual about doctrine, your expectations will not rise above the level of mediocrity. Don't be casual about your beliefs. You can put, if you want to scratch out doctrine, put in beliefs, go ahead and do that. The same thing. Same thing. If you're casual about what you believe, well, I just believe whatever. If I need to believe it, God will tell me about it. God will bring it to me. If you're casual about it, that's, that's not going to happen. I'll put it to you this way. How many of you have ever wanted to get something on the, you saw something on the internet. You saw one of those infomercials. You saw something that told you how to fix the problem you have with your car, how to do something different, how to, whatever it might be, and you saw this, and you never heard of this product before, but you heard about this, and you're thinking, that could really help my situation. Ever had that? Think back, you probably all of us have done that. So, you want to do that, or maybe you want to get a new car. What do you do first? Do you just walk into the car dealership and say, hey, what do you got? Don't you do some research on it? Don't you look up on the internet, get some information about what kind of cars are out there, how good they are, how bad they are, what's going on with this, what's going on with that. You're going to go out there and you're going to buy a new phone. Do you just go out there and buy whatever phone is out there? Or do you do some research and you need to find out what kind of phone is there? I love doing research on things like phones and stuff like that, checking out what people say. I do understand that most people who put reviews up about phones, about cars, are stupid. I do understand that. I understand that many people who put up a review about a phone and how it doesn't work do not know how to use a blender. I thoroughly understand that. So when I'm reading their reviews, I read it with an idea that this person may be an imbecile and not know anything that they're talking about. So I read lots of them. But I don't put a whole lot of 
confidence in reviews done by just your average ordinary people because I don't know what their tech savvy is like. But then I go on to the, to the sites where the people are, you know, a car site or phone tech site or something like that. And these are people who know how to use this stuff. What are they saying about it? And then after I read all that, then you, don't you go into the store and then you play with the phone, you drive the car, you do something, you do some research on this thing, you get a good handle on it to find out what's going to be, and then you go ahead and you make the, the plunge and you make the purchase and you bring that thing on home. You're not casual about that because you don't want to have a mediocre car or phone. Don't have a mediocre faith either. Don't be casual about it. Check it out. Verse 50. 51. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed in his whole household. So he's checking this out. He's making the trip on back. And the people who were at the house, who saw the fever had left, they got so excited, go after them, go tell them what happened. And so they make the trip on out there and they meet part of the way over. And he says, when did this happen? And he figures it out, it happened the same time that Jesus made that statement, your son lives. Hmm. Now what would have happened if, this, if he wouldn't have believed it? What would have happened if he would have kept trying to pester Jesus to come back with them? What would have happened if he didn't put any faith in the statement that Jesus made. The same thing that happens in our lives. Because Jesus has made some statements. About our life. And we don't believe it. If you don't believe. The things that Jesus says. About your condition. About your life. Then it won't be true. In your life. But if you will believe as this man did. The things that Jesus spoke. Into his life. It will help you. While you're reading this, well, that's for this guy that was back over there with his son. No, it's not. Why is it in the Word of God? It's in there for our benefit. We're supposed to learn something from it. Why is the woman with the issue of blood in our Bible? Because we're supposed to learn something from it. Why is the man rise, take up your bed and walk? Why is he in the Bible? Because we're supposed to learn something from it. If it's not there for me, then why is it in the Bible and why am I supposed to study it? Why am I supposed to read this? So what I read about this man, when it applies to my situation, I can take that as words for me. When the woman with the issue of blood, when that situation lines up with mine, when I can glean some things about faith, I can take it because it's spoken to me. It's spoken to me. Understand, when it, what is in the Word of God is spoken to you. It's not just spoken to those people that were in the Word. It's spoken to you. That's why it's in the Word. It's there for you to get. Your son lives, and he himself believed in his whole household. He came home and he told them the story. This is what happened. This is what Jesus said to me at first. And then this is what Jesus said. Go your way, your son lives. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he had come out of Judea into Galilee. So he said, first off, the guy traveled. First thing he did, he traveled. The second he did, thing he did was not give up. The second thing he did was not give up. Third, he returned based on Jesus' word. 
He returned based on Jesus' word. The foundation for all of these actions was what he heard. But the one that made the difference is when he acted on Jesus' words to him. You can hear words of faith. You can hear the scriptures all day long. But until you act on what you heard, it doesn't change your life. But when you act on what you heard, then it will change your life. Hopefully this story is, is, is known to you. But when the woman with the issue of blood, when she heard about Jesus, remember she spent all she had on all the physicians? She got her hopes up on each physician, each opportunity they had, and each one failed her. And the Word of God says, not only was she not better, it says she grew worse. Except now she had no money. All her money was gone. Twelve years that was going on, going after physicians, and it says nothing helped, it just grew worse. But you've got to put yourself in these positions. This woman, every time a new doctor came to town, every time a new method came to town, she built her faith up and had faith in it and put everything in that she had behind She put her money behind it. She put her faith behind it. She put her energy behind it. And then the Word of God says, when she heard about Jesus, she said with her mouth, if I just touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be whole. Why did she say that? Because she heard about Jesus. We went back when we did this and we, we showed you the stories that she saw that people were just touching the hem of Jesus' garment and getting healed. So she heard about that and she says, all I have to do is sneak up in the crowd and touch the hem of his garment. And I know, this is her words, I know I shall be healed. But just because she believed that didn't change her life. What she had to do was she had to act on it. And so she got in there. She heard Jesus was coming by. And so she worked her way into the crowd. This is a woman with an issue of blood. She is unclean and not supposed to be near a rabbi or let alone touch him. So she's going to touch his robe, not him. But she's also passing a lot of people in the way, touching them to get through the crowd. And she touched the hem of his garment. And it says in the word of God, Mark chapter 5, if you ever want to, I think it was Mark chapter 5, the word where that is. If you want to go and see the story, wonderful story. If I touch the hem of his garment, I know I shall be healed. And she touched the hem of his garment, and in her body she knew the fountain had dried up. She could feel that change in her body because she acted on what she believed. She acted on what she heard. It wasn't just something that was out there. A lot of Christians who have chronic conditions, who have things that have bothered them for a long time, have put their faith in many different things along the way. And they are no better. In fact, sometimes they've grown worse. And to put their faith out there for something else, I'd rather just suffer the pain that I'm going through. I'd rather just, you know, make prayers like, God, give me the grace to handle this pain. Give me the grace to make this through. We pray stuff like that. That's not God's desire. God's desire is for you to be healed. The fact that you are not healed. We looked at a story that showed us this beyond any shadow of a doubt. That the fact that you are not healed does not mean God does not want you to be healed. The fact that you have been prayed over and have not received healing does not mean that God does not want you healed. One we were just looking at two weeks ago that we talked about in the beginning. The boy. 
Just because he was sick, all he, Jesus said, how long has this been going on? Since he was a youth, since he was young. Been going on a long time. His disciples couldn't get it. He, disciples there, anointed people under Jesus. They could not get it done. They prayed for him. That does not determine that this is the will of God. Just because you still have it, just because it has survived prayer lines, just because it has survived your personal prayer, does not mean God wants you to have it. But we form a belief and the enemy comes right along and he whispers to us, you still got it because God wants you to have it. And I use that stupid phrase, it's your thorn in the flesh. And Paul's thorn was not anything physical. And he even says it right in the passage what it was. And people still come out with an idea that he had an eye disease or some kind of sickness that he battled with. He did not have a sickness that he battled with. He says it right there. A messenger from Satan sent to buffet me. How do we get that messed up? I don't know how we get that messed up. But he says it right there. God does not want you sick any more than God wants you in sin. Because the same act, Jesus at the cross, salvation, the same thing that got you freed from sin, got you freed from sickness and disease. The same person who bore your sin, bore your sickness and disease. God does not want you sick. He does not want you in sin. He doesn't want you under the weight of it either. That's your God. But you see, we come out with another belief. This man changed his belief in an instant, because Jesus spoke something to him and said, go your way, your son lives. And this man turned around and made a 25-mile walk back home. I imagine somewhere along the line on the way back home, he had to stop and rest. Probably had to stop and get some sleep because he probably walked straight there. What has God spoken to you? Now, God will speak all kinds of things to you. We've, we've looked in the Word of God. We've seen God said, Jesus said, go wash. And the person had to go wash. Go show yourselves to the priest. And the person had to go show themselves to the priest. There'll be things that God will say to do. Some of it seems like it has nothing to do with your condition. But you need to be obedient to what God is saying to do. Remember one of the first healing miracles we had? Jesus is in the building and it was so full, couldn't even get inside. So four people brought one along who needed healing. He was lame, he was on the bed, and they couldn't get in. Remember how they got in? Think back to Sunday school days. Went up on the roof, took the roof apart, went to somebody else's house, took the roof apart. How many of you are liking that? How many of you have guests that have abused your house, but I bet you no one has taken your roof apart? Took the roof apart, made a hole in it, and lowered the guy down. And Jesus looks at him, And says, your sins are forgiven. Do you think that those four people brought him all the way to the meeting, cut open the hole in the roof, lowered him down through the roof because he was a sinner? They did it because he was lame. But Jesus says, your sins are forgiven. What does that have anything to do with him being lame? Apparently a lot. Because after he said that, then he said, rise, take up your bed and walk. What is Jesus? What is God saying to you? He's going to be speaking some things to you. If you are ready to hear, if you are open to hear, what is he speaking to you to change your life? 
He won't just speak to you about changing your life. He'll speak to you about changing your kid's life. You may go to God and say, God, there's this problem with my son. There's this problem with my daughter. What can I do? And he, he can speak to you about that. He can speak to you about whatever chronic condition you have going on. And he can say, if you do this, he may tell you to change what you eat. He may tell you to change your exercise pattern. He may change you, tell you to change the things you think. But he's going to speak to you. And he's going to tell you some things. And if you will listen, and if you will do the things that he said to do, if you will do those things, then you get the next part. Then you get the next part. Now, some of it will be easy. Some of it won't be easy. Some of it will be hard. I've told you before some of my stories. You know, you don't know I like to run. But, you know, many years ago, I was having a hard time doing it. And you go back a, a number of years. One of the things God showed me to do, he says, because I was having lower back problems. Anybody have lower back problems? I had some lower back problems. I had, they were hurting. And I bend over a lot to, um, to, to do, uh, you know, make bunk beds. I'm bent over a number of times. Lower back problems, always getting it fixed up, going to the chiropractor, always, and it's always sore, it's always hurting. And so um, I was in, uh, I had a free gym membership because I ran, this is a long time ago, I ran the YMCA Hockey League. And so because of that, I had a free gym membership because I was running the league. So we were playing hockey, and, and uh, I got to go in. So I went into one of the facilities that they had, and I was looking around, and I saw this particular machine, and I was drawn to it. Anybody remember telling me that story? It was a lot of years, long years ago. I was drawn to it. I said, I need to get on that machine. I need to get on that machine. So I got a hold of one of the persons there. I said, I need you to show me how this machine works and what this machine is, is here to do. And so, the, and I knew it was a back machine. I just didn't know how it worked. And so we, we, uh, they showed me how to make that machine work. And so I was in the gym three times a week at that point for the purpose of building up my back and getting it strong. I wasn't running at the time. The only running I did was a little bit out on the, on the hockey uh, court doing some running there uh, once a week, and that was, that was about all I could handle. The rest of it was for, the, for that back was sore. So I got on that machine, and I, I went through all the workouts that I was doing. I always ended on that machine, always ended on that machine. Why? Because I knew when I was in there, down in my spirit, you need to be on that machine. You need to be on that machine. So I got myself on that machine, and I drug myself out to the gym. I don't like going out to the gym a whole lot. I like, you know, my favorite thing is put the running shoes on, go out for the run, come back, take the running shoes off, get cleaned up, and, and go. No, no trip anywhere. I don't like the trip anywhere. Got on that machine. Did that diligently. Increased it. Kept increasing it. Kept doing more. The back was getting stronger. Then all of a sudden, I was able to run some more. Then I was able to do some other things. Then I found out that even bending over in the work I was doing, it wasn't hurting like it was before. And things, things got better. And I, I, I can't remember the last time I had to say, oh, my, my back is so sore. I'm having a hard time. don't remember the last time. I'm not on that machine anymore. I didn't have to do that machine forever. I did that machine for, I don't know, a couple of years. I was, I was doing that machine. But uh, I didn't do that machine forever. I'm not doing it now. I'm doing other things. But I'm not doing that. But see, I had to listen to that. If I didn't listen to that first thing that God said, I didn't, and there was a second thing, and there was a third thing, and there was a fourth thing, and I did all those things, and I got back out of that, that pain that was there, and I was able to go out there and to, and to do some of the things that I, I'd want to do. What is it that's holding you back? See, you've got a belief that this is always going to be here. You've got a belief that maybe God is wanting this in my life. 
You've got to get rid of that belief. You've got to be willing to be like this man who when Jesus said, go your way, your son lives, he believed that word and he acted on it. Would you all stand up for me? I put this in your outline for you. Faith, not please, move God. You can have prayers and plead before God all you want to. That's not what's going to be moving God. Most Christians falter not in believing that Jesus is the healer, but in doing what the Word or the Spirit of God speaks to them. That's where we mostly falter. We're not doing what God has said. We're not going, doing what God has said. I was instructed to do this. This is where some of the best instructions I ever got. Instantly obey the voice of the Spirit. Instantly obey the voice of the Spirit. You can learn to obey the voice of the Spirit, and you can learn to obey it instantly. You can learn to do it. Have you ever seen those dogs that you give a command and they obey instantly? And have you ever seen those dogs that will never obey ever? You see the little lady there speak, and what's that dog do? Nothing. Just does whatever it wants to do. I told you to stop it. Dog goes on and does whatever it does. Then you see somebody else. Sit. Dog sits. Stay. Dog stays. Why? Because one learned instant obedience and the other one never did. Folks, we're sometimes just like that. We're not learning to instantly obey. Well, I'll check that out. Well, I'll see when I, I get time. I'll see, you know, when I get around to it. How many got, don't raise your hand. Inside hand, don't raise your hand on this one. How many God has spoken to you, change your diet? And you did it for a day, you did it for two days, then you kind of relaxed on it, or you just never got to it. God said, change your diet, you never did it. Why? Because you don't learn to obey, instantly obey the voice of your spirit. How many of you, God sp- spoke to you and says, I want you to get out and I want you to walk. I want you to get out and I want you to do this kind of exercise. I want you to get out and I want you to do this. How many have heard that? Don't raise your hand. Inside hand. How many have heard that and didn't obey? I, I get to that. You know, it was rainy yesterday. Well, it was kind of cold. Well, you know, I don't have the right shoes. And that, well, I don't have the right uh, shorts. I need a different pair of shorts. Well, I don't have the right shirt for that. Uh, I don't have the right coat. I need a different kind of coat. I need a hat. I need, if you're going to go out and walk, you need a hat. I don't have a hat. And we come up with all these things, right? All these excuses for why we're not doing it. But what's the real reason? I don't instantly obey the voice of your spirit. Now, we've talked about these kind of things, but you know what, folks? There's some other stuff, too. What if God comes to you and says, you know that person you have bitterness for? Release it. What if he comes and he says that to you? What would you do? You don't know what, you don't know what they did. Do you understand what they said? You know that situation that's over there? You need to submit to it. What do you mean submit? See, there's other things like this that God will be speaking to you about. And we're not doing it. And because we're not doing it, we're not opening up God to be able to do the things that we need to do. We're not opening the door for God to speak the second thing. And the third thing. And the fourth thing. And the fifth thing. We look at people and we see that they had victory over that. You can look at me and say, we had victory over your back. You you had victory over this. You had victory over this pain. Yet you're able to do this and you're able to do that. Yeah, but there's a whole lot of 
yeses I had to say along the way, a whole lot of things that God had to show me along the way, a whole lot of diligence I had to put into what he said to me, and I had to do them. That same thing is open to you. But you've got to listen. The biggest problem, folks, is <clears throat> not that we aren't hearing. We aren't acting on it. God has spoken to you, but we're not acting on it. This man, six words from Jesus. Go your way. Your son lives. And he, the word of God, the word of God says about him, he believed the words that Jesus spoke and returned home. Can you believe what Jesus has spoken to you? It'll change your life. It'll change your life. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you that you are willing to change situations that have continued on in our life. You're willing to help us turn these things around whether it be back pain or leg pain or neck pain, headaches, blood pressure, blood sugar, cancer, lung problems, all assortment of whatever it is that the devil has dreamed up, brought into our life, you are able to change it. Most times we just want somebody to wave the prayer over our life and have it be gone. But we've seen a number of times that there were things that people needed to do to change the conditions so that a worse condition doesn't come back. Not to bring fear, but Father, to bring certainty. That will not come back in my life. And God has shown me what to do. I thank you for each person here, Father. Their ears are open. They're ready to hear. You are ready to speak. I give you the praise and the glory for it. I thank you. If you're here today, your faith is building. You're seeing a change. You're seeing something. How many of you, and you can use your regular hands on this one, how many of you and when we started this, wherever you came in on it, believed that whatever condition you had was yours. And it just didn't seem like it was ever going to go. And now have hope that condition is going to go away. Anybody here? Glory to God. Glory to God. God is going to speak to you something that you need to do. As he did to almost every single person that got healed in the Word of God. From rise, take up your bed and walk, to go wash, to go home, whatever it might be, He always spoke for them something to do and they put faith in what He said and did it and they saw a change. Put faith in it. Put faith in whatever it is that He has said to do. And don't go after it casually. Go after it with everything you got. Father, I am going to do what you told me to do diligently with everything in me because you told me to do it because it will have an impact on my life. Glory to God. Father, I thank you. We're going out here changed by your word. You're speaking to us. 
Our ears are ready to hear. I thank you for the power of God that is at work ministering to every person here. There is no condition, no sickness, no disease that can stand against the power of God. And just because it has remained in our life for years, months, decades, it makes no difference. Your will doesn't change. I thank you for it. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. More to learn on this. We'll get into some more next week. Thanks for coming on out here today. We, uh, do we have any prayer, praise reports put in? As God speaks to you things for you to do, let us, let us uh, speak them out. Let us know. Today at 1 o'clock, we're going to be going over Revelations chapter 5. Fun, fun chapter. We're still introducing some of the things in Revelation. Chapter 6 is where the seals uh, get uh, executed. But here in chapter 5, the seals are opened. Real interesting stuff and in, in what we get to see with that. So we're going to be doing that at 1 o'clock. If you want to get something to eat, come on back. We're going to be going over Revelation here and there. You've got plenty of time to... Uh, ask questions or interact or whatever you want to do. We're going to do that at 1 o'clock here. Uh, plenty of places around to go eat. Check with an usher if you need to find out some things. Wednesday night, uh, Brother Keith is going to minister at the midweek service for Wednesday night. Uh, whatever the topic is, we're going to put it up on Facebook. He's going to send it over to me Tuesday, Wednesday, or something like that. He'll, he'll send me something. I'll put it up there as soon as he does. My, my wife and I, daughter, son-in-law, and uh, little ones, we are all heading out to the water park to, uh, for two days, taking two days off. And uh, we're going out to the water park. Uh, you know, p- part of the motivation thing, some of you folks can relate to this. My, my daughter was telling me this story. It breaks your heart. Uh, little little Lissy is sitting there and she's playing with the dolls. And she, whenever she plays with the dolls there, we start talking. They're talking to each other. And so she, uh, we've been talking to her about going back to Kalahari or one of the water parks. And so she's been look, she keeps looking, when are we going? Are we going this week? Are we, are we going soon? When are we going? So she's been looking forward to going. And so one time she came into the room and she said she was playing with the dolls. And he says, I'm sorry. We can't go to Kalahari this week, but we will soon. <sighs> so my daughter found a Groupon for this day, just for that Wednesday and Thursday. So we uh, jumped on that. And uh, I asked Keith a couple of weeks ago if he'd be free. He said he would be, be free. So that's going to be on Wednesday night. We'll put that up there for the, for the topic there. Also, the prayer conference is, is coming up. So uh, uh, Friday night, Saturday morning, Saturday afternoon sessions. And then Sunday morning session, that's going to be going on. We have all that information in there for you. We need you to register because we're feeding you on Saturday, and we need to know who we're feeding. You know, do we buy, buy one bagel or do we buy 100 bagels? We need to know, have, you know what kind of stuff to do in that. So uh, register for that. As I see my wife on that, I think she has a registration form around somewhere, or else you can just see her or see me on the way out and just say, yeah, we're, we're going to be there. That's all you need to do for, for that. So that's, uh, that's coming up. And also, Philip and Noah, we put in there the dates... Uh, some people were asking about when that was going to be, so I just wrote that in so that you can see that that's coming up. Um, have a great day.